Why is it bothering you? It's still having feedback if your microphone is on, I think. Try muting your microphone. Okay, I'm going to go in the back. Okay, so we're in chapter to... six, Christian service, learning by doing. And we'll start off with a word of prayer. Alvina, would you offer a word of prayer for us to begin? Yes. Y'all can hear me? Yep, we can hear okay. you. Uh, Lord, uh, thank you for your mercy, your kindness, um, the joy you give us. Uh, thank you for waking us up, for being with us. And Lord, I pray that you will be with us um, doing a discipleship class. May we learn something new. And we may we be doers uh, instead of hearers, Lord. Thank you, and please forgive us for our sins. Keep us and bless us and strengthen us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, thank you very much. Um, this was an interesting chapter, Learning by Doing, and it's actually it's talking to young people, but as always, God's principles relate to everyone and apply to everyone. So it says that it's, it's necessary to the complete education that students be given time to do missionary work, time to become acquainted with spiritual needs of families in the community around them. Why do you think it's important to their education for them to do any missionary work? How could that impact students at all? Some of our students, has it impacted you when you were studying? I think that, um... When you put what you're learning into practice, it first of all it helps you to retain the information, and then it, it's 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 a blessing to other people because you're putting what you're learning into practice as you're going along. Okay, that's a good reason. Anybody else? How could doing missionary work help a student with their education? Sometimes they can uh, figure out what they would like to do in their life, you know. It can open up their eyes up to different possibilities and how God wants to use them to grow them and to build uh, his kingdom. Oh, okay, that's good. What about those of us who are out of education now we're at work? Does this apply to us also? Yeah, we may be uh, sometimes stuck in our ways or in a rut. It might rejuvenate something in us, you know, light us back on fire. It might be lukewarm. We get back on fire for the Lord and work those uh, muscles that have become weak and make them build them up. Okay, that's a good point. I think as we get older and we do have the jobs that we have, sometimes when you do a missionary work, you see other opportunities that you can be used. You have now more resources. You have more connections with people. You can do more. When you were younger, you might not have as much, uh, as many connections or resources. Now, as you're getting older, the Lord has blessed you more to do more. Amen. That's good. Now, I know from my personal experience, when I was in school, it was constantly in the books, in the books, always in the books, right? So on the Sabbath, I would go to church and do missionary work with the church members. And it's just a way to give your mind a break from all the studying. You know, it's, you can study too much and then you don't get that physical aspect. That's also part of your education 
uh, and also part of your spiritual education. So it was really like taking a break to me from all the studying to be able to get out, knock on doors, go to an elderly center, fellowship with the saints, you know, it really helps you to just take a breather. You know, even when Christ was with the disciples, he told them, hey, let's come aside and take a break, you know, from doing all this, all this evangelism work. Let's take a break. So by doing the evangelism work as a student, you're taking a break from all that um, educational studying that you're also doing. And as was mentioned, it also gives you a chance to use the knowledge that you've acquired. So imagine we go to church every week, we have prayer meetings, we have other type of uh, meetings going on. So we're constantly learning spiritual things, learning spiritual principles, learning about God's will. Well, yeah, we do need time to use it, right? What do they say about using it? If you don't use it, you lose it. So when we're learning how to interact, how to share the word of God, we have to get out there and actually put it into practice. It's a lot like, I guess, uh, Paula does sales. It's a lot like learning the sales techniques in class, but then never actually applying them out in the work in the real world. So it's all about being a well-rounded person again. Any other comments on, on that, using the knowledge that we acquire? And it also says at the bottom of that first paragraph, by working in humility and seeking wisdom from Christ, praying and watching under prayer, they may give to others the knowledge that has enriched their lives. The important part of that is humility, seeking wisdom from Christ, praying and watching under prayer. And we want to make sure that the Holy Spirit is involved in all of our efforts, because without the Holy Spirit's leading and guiding, it's not going to work out the way it should anyway. So before we ever put our knowledge into practice, be prayerful, uh, seek wisdom from the Lord, and work in humility. And that's going to be a real blessing to our outreach efforts. I think, um, yeah, one distinction that I noted here is that the difference between going to a secular uh, college or university and going to a Christian college or university um, because you wouldn't even be dealing with, you know, serving once you or while you were in school or when you get out of school if you're going to a secular college or university. And I was thinking about the slogan that Oakwood has and it says, enter to learn, depart to serve. But this is kind of saying, enter to learn and then as you're learning, serve. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't have to wait till school finishes. You know, you can still be serving. And that's kind of, that motto is kind of funny, Karen, because I remember when we were remodeling the church kitchen, I had wanted to put over the door to enter the kitchen. I was going to put over the door, enter to cook, and then on the other side, depart to serve. Just kind of using your motto. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. It says it's not enough to fill the minds with lessons of deep importance. They must learn to impart what they have received. And then it goes forward. It says, school, let the students improve every opportunity to prepare for the work. Here they are to be tested and proved to see whether their ability is and whether they have a right hold uh, from above of what they have learned. 
Paula has her hand raised. Oh, I didn't see. No problem. That last paragraph leads into what I was thinking about because you said test and this whole thing reminded me of testimony by doing and putting your knowledge to work is how you gain your testimony. And with your testimony and the word, that's what's going to save other souls. You'll get, have those testimonies to give others the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. Without a test, there's no testimony, right? That's really a blessing. And how does this apply to us as Christians? This whole, uh, what we just read, how does that apply to us as Christians as opposed to just looking at it from a student's point of view? Does any of this apply to us or is this only for students? No, it applies to us because what it's really saying here is that as you're learning how to plant seeds or water or whatever, then be in the vineyard doing what you're learning. Go out into the vineyard and do what you're learning. Is and it? I even, I'm sorry. I would even say that we never stop being students. You know, we are in the school of life. We're always going to be students. Good point. Have you ever been a, a, a participant in maybe a Bible study class or an outreach class, a witnessing class, a prayer meeting class? And you just learned all this stuff and then nothing happened after that. Yeah. Yeah. How'd you feel about it? Like almost like it was a waste of my time. <laughs> yeah, I guess truly it was. I mean, you had the knowledge, but you didn't get to use it. And as I mentioned earlier, when you don't use the knowledge, it just disappears. You forget it. And then you have to brush back up on it. Whereas if you were taught something and then you immediately start using it, whether you're, you know, really good at it yet or not, but you start using it, then you actually learn how it really works. You know, many times people would go to a training class. Uh, they learn the techniques, they learn the skills. And then when they went out to put them into real use, they find out that this, the, the uh, information they learned wasn't exactly right. You know, it was partially helpful, but learning on the job also plays a part in finding out what really works and what doesn't. And uh, it also depends on which area, you know, you're working in because the people in area A might not respond as well as the people in area B, or they might not respond to the techniques you use so that by using it and getting your feet wet, so to speak, you can modify those techniques to the area that you're actually working in. Let's look at the next chapter, encourage a missionary spirit. Encourage a missionary spirit. The teachers, in our, teachers and students in our schools need the divine touch. God can do more for them than he has done because in the past his way was restricted. If a missionary spirit is encouraged, even if it takes them hours from the program of regular study, much of heaven's blessings will be given, provided there is more faith and spiritual zeal, more of a realization of what, what God can do. What did you gain out of, out of that paragraph? What did you take away from that paragraph? God is willing to do more for us than we've been 
asking and, and, and seeking. And um, that if we have, if we encourage that missionary spirit, that spirit of going out and working in the vineyard, that God is more than willing to, to um, provide, you know, what is needed. Yeah. The feel, you know. What does it say is missing if God is willing to provide more? What part is missing? The training, the the um, time spent to encourage encouragement, encouragement of that kind of spirit. So, you know, the the, the class time, the the um, you know. All of that, spending time saying, okay, you know, God is willing and able if, if we just provide the opportunity, you know. Okay, so if we've been taught in our schools or we've been taught at church different ways to do outreach and reach people, then it says God, would, God is able to do more than he has been. Heaven's blessing will be, will be given provided there is more faith and spiritual zeal. And I think he had mentioned, Karen, more of a realization of what God will do. So when we're at our various churches and we're there hearing sermons, we're there taking classes on Bible studies and on witnessing, we also have to have that measure of faith, the faith of a mustard seed added to it and spiritual zeal, a desire to go out and do God's will, you know, an eagerness a uh, yearning for souls, that part is what has been missing. There has to be more faith and recognizing that God will do if we just do our part. You know, we're God's called to be God's hands and feet. And what we need is the knowledge, the desire, the faith and zeal, and then realize that God is going to bless our efforts. You know, think about if you were if you were in a class being taught how to do Bible studies, and so the, the uh, teacher teaches you the steps, but then the teacher doesn't provide any, uh, say, spiritual uplifting, you know, or pointing to how good God is and letting you know that God is going to bless our efforts when we go out, then you'll learn all those techniques for nothing because you just won't feel that it's going to work. But when you're given that realization that God will do. He's promised us. He's given us the ability to do it. The people are all out there waiting on us to come out. Then it gives you a positive feeling that, yeah, you know, we can do this. I am going to go out there and do this. You know, it's a lot of times when you have, uh, when I was selling real estate, they would have meetings and the meetings were always, we already had learned what we we're going to learn in school but the meetings were for to encourage you and to uplift you and to give you a positive feeling that I'm going to go out here and people want to hear what I have to say and people are going to listen and the results are going to happen. And that's sometimes what's missing in our churches. We teach how to do studies and we teach how to give, uh, how to go out and knock on doors. But then that positive encouragement is sometimes missing. And I feel that we would do better if we also remember to add that part in to any type of training classes or any type of prayer meetings or whatever, 
we have to let people know this really works has been proven. God is, has given us all that we need to do it. And he's right here with us and it's gonna be a success. We have to add that part onto it also. I think it will make a big difference if we do that. What do you guys think? Have to apply what you learn in order to develop your skill. So yes. And I think we can all do with more positive motivation. Uh, sometimes you hate to say it, but as a church, we hear negative demotivation, but we need to add to that positive motivation that this is what we're here for. God has promised to bless us and all he's looking for is some willing workers willing to get out there and do what he's point asked us to do. I think we'd see a huge difference than what we see right now. Alvina, did you have a comment? I didn't quite hear you. No, I was agreeing. I was agreeing with who who was talking who was speaking before us last um Karen like, Yeah, I was agreeing. I was speaking my I, I wasn't muted. I was just agreeing. <laughs> oh, okay. Sound like your phone was cutting out or something. Okay, let's go to the next chapter of when school closes. There is an opportunity for many to go out into the field as evangelistic canvassers. Evangelistic canvassers. Anybody remember the term canvas? Yes. When did we stop doing that? Yep. Oh, that's a good question. Did you say when? I think, why? It, <laughs> I think it changed from canvas and then it went to end gathering. And then when I moved up here, they I didn't know anybody that did it. Yeah. Now this is also says the faithful call porter. Remember call porters? That's an old school term. The faithful call porter finds his way into many homes where he leaves reading matter containing the truth for our time. They are also called literature evangelists. Uh, Lakita was a literature evangelist. She did an excellent job, one of, the, one of the best in the whole Central States region. So, uh, Paula, you ask a question, when did it stop or why did it stop? Uh, both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It seems that it kind of slowed down probably in the 90s. And then when the internet came out, it seemed like people stopped knocking on doors. But you know, you can still be a literature evangelist online. I, I really felt like that was a great opportunity for people to be in a literature evangelist and be online. But it, it does seem like it stopped, slowed down. I don't think it has stopped. Does anyone here know anyone who still makes their living as a literature evangelist? I mean, I don't make a living, but when I have a uh, Bible track, um, I pass them out and I don't charge them. <laughs> okay. Well, there was actually a job that people had passing out literature, selling books, going door to door, and that was called canvassing. And they would knock on a person's door and show them the books and give their little pitch. It was really a sales job for the Lord, selling um, Bible books selling spiritual literature. 
The last one I remember was Sister uh, Foley mm-hmm. and uh, Sister Tolliver. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lakita was in their group. And I thought that, you know, it still is a great way to reach people. And one of the major differences um, with being a literature evangelist was you were selling spiritual literature and you got a chance to meet the people. You got a chance to uh, go into their home, talk to them about different aspects of life, ask them how things were going for them, have prayer with them, you know, make your rapport with them and then have prayer with them and offer them the books. So it was definitely for certain people. Not everybody has that type of uh, character or attitude to do sales, even secular sales. Not everybody can do that. And then when you come into spiritual sales, spiritual literature, you had to have the right temperament, the right uh, knowledge base, because it seemed like the people would get to talking about spiritual things. And you had to be well studied, you know, or at least be able to point them to which uh, to areas in the Bible that they can research more. It was a very you know, good job. You know, back home, we did a double duty of some of us that were smaller, we were doing in-gather, and the bigger kids that were in the teens, they were, you know, talking to people, trying to, you know, with, with my sister's help, trying to, you know, get them to buy literature. And I guess from a small town, you know, many people started buying the literature because they was like, those teens are out there, and they're doing so good. And I said, you know, it just, I guess, you know, like I said, when you move to a bigger place, it's just kind of a little bit different, you know, and I said, where. You know, like I said, in a small town, they want teens to be doing something positive. And they're like, how much are your books? And I mean, they used to just buy. Mm-hmm. And there also used to be teenagers coming from the schools, coming to the big city for the summer. And then they would sell books. They'd go around, knock on doors because that was how they got some of their tuition money. You know, but I haven't seen them in quite a while. I don't know if anyone else has seen any students coming up. Uh, I think Stormy was the last one, Mary Passau's son. I -hmm. think he was down in Huntsville when he was selling books uh, to, uh, I guess, to help with his tuition. But I think that was the last person I can think of from Northside that was at Oakwood that was selling. Yeah. And I remember there were students, we didn't know these students, but they would come up and they would uh, sometimes stay at the church or stay with other people up here. And then they would go out throughout the day, knock on doors, giving Bible studies and selling spiritual literature. And it takes a real, it takes the right heart to do that type of work. You know, it takes the, it takes the desire to serve the Lord in that capacity just like a missionary work takes a certain type of person to do that type of work, just like it takes a certain type of person to sell uh, Christian literature. But some people with well, well-balanced minds, strong, well-educated and engaged and have that talent, education and experience, they do a really great job of it. And you can never count, you know, the reward that you are giving to people by offering them those spiritual field books. And it's the same thing that we have a special duty to perform in giving Bible studies or handing out tracts or handing out literature or giving uh, talks, you know, a prayer meeting, setting up a prayer meeting line. Those are all ways that we can 
point others to Christ, you know, and it's a blessing to do that. And it's a, the reward that, that comes from it won't even be known until eternity. So it's a real gift that some people have to do that. And it's a real blessing. And again, our part as Christian, as Christian members, Christian servants of God and friends of man, whenever we meet people like that, we can always encourage them. If you can't get out to uh, knock on doors and give Bible studies, we can always encourage those who are doing that because there's one thing every one of us needs and that's positive reinforcement. Just think about being at your job, uh, your job for, that you work to provide for your family. If you never got a raise, if you never got had a supervisor say, hey, good job, you did a terrific job, you know, you would wear out pretty quickly, right? Yeah, because we all need positive reinforcement. What type of what type of way could we positively reinforce our young people to um, to use their talents for the Lord? How could we positively reinforce enforce our youth? Any thoughts on that? Any ideas that we could use? Well, you know, Elder Carroll, you I think you were mentioning that they were you were going to have a survey where you find people, uh, try to find, you know, lead them to what they're strong as far as their, their talent. Mm -hmm. And That's I think with young people, I think, you know, they also need to, you know, have a little survey or, you know, be able to tell somebody, this is what I think I'm good at. Because, you know, I subbed at the Unified School and there was one little girl, and I tell you, she could look at a picture. You take it away, she wouldn't remember every detail and be able to draw it. I can't draw nothing but a stick, people. So when we were doing one of the Bible uh, characters, she drew it. And she and I told her, I said, we're going to hang this on the wall because that's what we talked about this week. But the girl is so gifted. And as she began, you know, and, I, and her mom was like, well, she'd be at home sometime. We'd be reading the Bible. And she said, and they'll talk about, like, Daniel and the lion. She said, you should see the beautiful picture she makes. And I mean, like I said, that's a gift that... You know, many people don't have that, but yet she chooses when you when she's when you are going through a Bible story with her. She'll say, "Okay, I'm I'm a, I'm gonna I'm a listen." She said, and "I'm to be able to draw everything y'all reading about and everything I'm reading about." So I just think, you know, to encourage her that way, I said, I just told her, I said, you know what? That's good that you can read a Bible story and you remember it, and then you can put it on paper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Encouragement is big. Any any other um, comments about that? Encouraging our young people, and we are going to do the um, spiritual gift inventory. That's going to be September sixteenth, right after church. We're going to do that. How would you like someone to encourage your children spiritually, or your nieces and nephews? How would you like for the church family to encourage them? Have you thought about that? How can the church family encourage and be a blessing to your young people and your family? Mentorship. Mentorship is big. You're walking through something and again, like Sister Patsy was saying, encourage them along the way. Show them how it's done. And then just like, you know, just like when we learn to ride a bike, you start on training wheels and then you let them go on their own. And again, that positive reinforcement. And then, of course, prayer is always huge. Let them know that every good thing 
that they're doing and that gift came from God. And that way they can bloom. They give them a foundation in whatever it is. Amen. So I have been trying to encourage my children who grew up Adventists to mosey on back in the church. Been <laughs> <laughs> looking for you. So it hasn't really reached them. So one of the elders asked me for their um, phone number, mm-hmm. and he's been texting them. And they start. They came to church. He came to church one Sabbath because he told them uh, his sons wanted to see him. So a lot of times, people outside of the home have a little bit more influence than you uh, who are in the home. Mm-hmm. That's always good ideas. Mentorship, and then ask maybe somebody else outside the home to encourage them. That's a real blessing. Any other ideas on how would you like the church family to? assist and encourage your child well you know since mine are grown but my grandson i said you know he moved to texas and even when he was in mizzou and it's sad to say he didn't know anything but north side because he i mean he was 18 months when delana started bringing him to north side and everything <laughs> and during the time he was at mizzou very few people at at north side even called to, or when they came home, reached out to them. There were a few, but I just thought, with well, a church that large, and you know, and you know, they're getting older, and we want to make sure they, you know, they give their hearts fully to the Christ. But uh, he started, like I said, the, the bus started picking them up down in Mizzou, and they was going to an Adventist church, and they would bring a little bus, and he said different ones would get on from week to week, and I said that was the time that Northside should have reached out, rather. And, and and I think it was the thing, you didn't go to Oakwood. And I'm like, but reach out to wherever they went to school at. And I know Kirsten talked to him one time and said, it doesn't matter what school you go to. We're all just proud that you're going to a university. But I just think when our young people are moving, even in, you know, even with jobs now, getting jobs in other states and stuff, we ought to stay connected. I mean, even if the church just sent them a card saying, you know, when you're in town, you're welcome to come, you know, and worship with us, you know. you. But we didn't do any of that. But I said, I know uh, Kawanche, I'm not sure if I said her name right. Uh, when she got ready to do education and those kids were going off to school, she didn't care whether you were at Oakwood or not. All of them got the same. I mean, she put baskets together. People donated stuff. Everybody got the same thing to, to go off to college with and I thought. That shows love for all of them, not just you know just signatizing them because they didn't go, but she showed love for the whole bunch that was going off to school. Mm. Ooh, that brings to mind a testimony. And some of you that grew up in Berean, do you remember Charles Tapp, who's now a pastor? He came in church. Uh, he was a classmate of Wendell. I forgot Wendell's last name. And Derek Sharp. At, at University City High School. And so um, he got baptized as a teenager, the only Adventist in his in his home, in his family. So as a, as a young, you know, young man, he was trying to, you know, because this is a lifestyle. And when you're the only one, it's hard enough for you're an adult, but when you're a minor child or you're in your, you know, young adult development. But he decided he wanted to go to Oakwood College and he didn't really have much support. And he, I think after like the first semester or year or something, 
he, G, and Derek uh, were riding back to St. Coming back home for holiday, you know, for holiday uh, vacation. And uh, they stopped, I guess, at a gas station or something, and somebody stole everything that they had. Mm. And they made it back to St. Louis and, and told that testimony to the church. Well, by the time church was over, we had already organized to help them out financially and replace everything that was taken from them and some. And to this day, uh, he's a pa- he's now pastor, Charles Tapp. To this day, he said that was he was about to give up when that uh, incident happened. But the response of the church and their encouragement and support physically and spiritually is the reason why he's a pastor today. Amen. Amen. That's beautiful. You never know how your act of kindness is going to really impact someone else. Those are all good ideas, you know, for encouraging our young people, the mentorship, text or calls, sending cards, baskets for students, encouragement, financial support, you know, all good things. And, and, you know, the whole goal is that we see them in heaven, right? It's not just temporary earthly stuff. We want to see these young people in heaven. And I agree, we shouldn't care who it is or what school they're going to, just encourage, you know, we did the the um, backpack Sabbath just recently, the whole point was to encourage the young students. You know, that was the whole point of it, to encourage them, let them know we care, let them know that we're here behind them, trying to help them do their very best. You know, and that's a Christian service that we provided. So anything that we can do to encourage our young people is going to pay dividends. They'll pay dividends in their life. It'll pay dividends in your life. It'll pay dividends throughout society when they grow up and get out and they become evangelists or they become good uh, good citizens. They become people who reach back and help uplift someone else just like they were uplifted. So I think it's a great thing for our churches to do. And, and as we talked about, that's what God wants us to do as Christian service. That's an act of Christian service and it's the gift that keeps on giving. Because you never know where that's going to end up or how that's going to end up impacting somebody. It's very important to remember those things. Any other um, ideas we can that, that you would like for the church to do for your child or your niece or nephew or whomever? Okay, if not, let's look at this next chapter. It's called The Ministry of Song. <laughs> did I, I know that we all like singing, but did you know that you can minister in song? You don't have to be in the choir to minister in song, but you would be a singing evangelist. Can, can anyone name any singing evangelists that they know of? Whitney well, Phipps. Well, Phipps, yeah, singing yeah. evangelist. Yeah, what comes to mind to me is the Aeolians. Aeolians, yeah. Mm-hmm. Any evangelists? Mm-hmm. Anybody remember T. Marshall Kelly? Singing oh, evangelist. yeah. Yes. Yeah, a lot of singing evangelists. Now, how can you be a singing evangelist? You don't, like I say, you don't have to be in the choir. How can you be a singing evangelist? Well, it's interesting that you say that, Lee, because when we used to go visit my mother before she passed away, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, we would uh, just gather in her room because she was bedridden the last few years of her life. And we would just sing to her. She loved it. She would sing along with us. You know, uh, we would sing hymns and some of her favorite songs and stuff. And she just absolutely loved it. You know, and it would lift her spirits and everything. And uh, I can remember here, um, you know, sometimes we would uh, go visit somebody in the hospital, or, you know, from time to time. And we would sing, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, it always, like she's saying later on in this, in the same uh, chapter, that very few people would say no to you singing to them, you know. Right. Amen. Well, if hey, you don't, you, oh, go ahead, Sister Patsy. Sorry. I'm sorry. I was going to say, you know, those that's in the uh, elderly homes, when the young kids come in there singing, they just perk up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I don't sing, but sometimes I uh, send YouTube videos singing a beautiful song to people that I know in my, uh, in my, Certain people I've met and they give me their phone number, I send them a beautiful worship songs and praise music. That's nice. That's Amen. a good idea. Well, music can go places where, the, where words can't, t- can't touch. Um, it Amen. softens the heart. That's why we have music before service and whatnot. It softens the heart. It prepares your soul. And I know people won't go to church. I've known people who just deny God right out. But and I've had a couple of drunk uncles, <laughs> you know, they would be on a tear. You put on gospel music, they just break down and start crying. Hmm. But um, a personal, a quick little, per- another little personal testimony, my grandmother, my mother's mother, Sister Ethel Johnson, a saint from way back, you talking about little evangelist. Mm-hmm. You know, old folks used to carry stuff in their purse. She, she never met a stranger. Yeah, she'd be in the grocery store passing out. She'd say hello to the checkout clerk. That clerk gonna get a, a you know, a word, a quick prayer, and a pamphlet. <laughs> so, um, but when she passed, uh, she suffered six last years of her life awful um, um, with Alzheimer's. And it got to the place where we couldn't even keep her at home anymore. So uh, we had, she spent her last few days, you know, in hospice care. And so when we went and visited her, she didn't know, of course, she didn't know who anybody was. And at one point, at the very last stage of um, Alzheimer's, you you are unconscious. You're like in a coma. Mm. She couldn't talk. She couldn't react. Every once in a while, she'd move her fingers. Doctors were saying, oh, that's an involuntary motion or whatever. But after church, we'd go visit her and just sing some of her favorite hymns. The doctors and nurses said, oh, that's an involuntary thing. All I know is when we sang, and God knows I can't sing. I would see she's laying on her back and tears would roll down her cheek. And it just made me, I just, I believe to God that the music got to her soul in some, you know, through the Holy Spirit. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes. You know, they say music goes straight to your subconscious. So that's pretty interesting. Music's very powerful. And, you know, I recall we used to go to the nursing homes or hospitals and sing. And, you know, nobody checked to make sure we was in pitch. They just enjoyed the singing. You know, and it's the same with any of us. Uh, at one time, whenever we go and visit people in the hospital, Lakita and I, we're not the best singers, but we have a good heart and we'll do our best. And we'll just sing a verse or two and then the people will join in, you know, and it's just beautiful. You know, and, and it lifts their spirits. 
You know, like Patsy was saying, when the kids come into the nursing home, the folks just light up because they are just music has a way uh, like no other of reaching people's heart. And like you said about your uncles, they would just start crying because the music is touching them. And, you know, it's, it's been said too that quote, uh, music has charms to soothe the savage beast. And sometimes if you play music around animals, they seem to calm down and listen and, and wonder what's going on, you know, and, and it's the same with people. If you got people who are quarreling and angry, I've seen this. If you got people who are quarreling and angry and here you are playing this upbeat music, but then if you switch it over to like soft music, soft Christian music or soft uh, symphonic music, then they slow, they calm down. It's amazing how music touches people. And, so, and you know, Elder Carroll, mm -hmm. if you ever see some of these people that be that be walking or jogging, they have that music on and you just see their legs just moving when they walk it. <laughs> I said, it, it, you know, and it, 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 it makes me understand that they, you know, they may not be keeping up with the beat, but even when we do water uh, exercise, I see people, and when they put the music on, I'm like, that little lady wasn't moving at first, and then when she got that music on, there she go. And I'm like, is the, and, I, and like I said, you know, everybody reacts to music differently, but like I said, I, my whole neighborhood, so almost all these people be out here walking with their little canes and stuff, but I'm like, they put them headphones on, and they just zoom. <laughs> you remember uh King remember King Saul, he was under that spirit, unclean mm -hmm. spirit, and David played mm -hmm. some music for him. He yep. mm -hmm. It was medicine to his soul. I mean, when you put on music to toddlers, they automatically know how to react. It's like it was built into us, programmed. Yeah. Right. And uh yeah, I know all of you all have seen videos where somebody is singing and even the animal will join in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't call that singing. Yeah, when I start singing, dogs start howling. So, yeah. uh uh, I said, people will be done rolled over and they'd be like, look at me, sister Harp over there killing these people. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a real blessing to hear music, it's a blessing to sing music. And again, we're not all top notch singers, but we do our best, and God blesses our efforts. And people have said that when I heard these people singing, it was like angels singing. So God appreciates us coming in, carrying melody and sunshine into lonely, darkened places, you know, full of sorrow and affliction. And we can also sing songs to those who just can't make it out to church. You know, they can't get to. In today's day, yeah, you can get on YouTube or, or whatever, log in online. But some people don't have YouTube but they still appreciate you coming over to visit and then just sing a song or two. It's, it's really uplifting to everybody. And then also in this last paragraph, it points out to us, endeavor to reach the higher classes as well as lower classes. What does that mean? What is higher class and lower class? We're called to reach both classes. What's the difference? It has to do with their 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 financial position in life, really, and that um, you know there are p people, regardless of their wealth or lack of it, they could be going through something, and that mm -hmm. we're called. You know, the Lord loves everyone; He wants everybody to be saved. So, yeah, we're called to minister to both. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, don't just all focus all your ministry on poor folks. Focus on poor class, middle class, richer class. Everybody needs to be saved, right? Like Karen's saying, everybody needs the Lord. It doesn't matter how much money you have. You know, we all have to be uh, saved in God's kingdom. So don't just stick to, I know a lot of times our uh, churches maybe want to feel like, well, the poor people need more help. The poor people need to be saved and the wealthy need to be saved. So let's not just always focus all our energy in one area or the other. And I really believe, you know, that you can find people in the wealthy areas that will give. You find people in the poor areas who will give. But everybody needs to know about Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody richer. Amen. Let's not limit our ministry. Let's not limit God's love to certain groups that we think deserve it. And that's what we call genuine mission work. When we go out, we talk about Christ. We might sing hymns. We might hand out literature. We might uh, pray. People's hearts are softened. And that opens the way for us to offer prayer and to invite them to church and invite them to, to have Bible studies, invite them to accept Christ as their Lord and Savior. And again, that's the whole purpose of Christian service, to invite somebody to accept Christ as their Lord and Savior and to be saved in his kingdom. So anyway, by all means necessary, we can find ways to reach people. And we just talked about singing as one of them. And again, you don't have to be an expert, just Ask the Lord to bless you, and the people will be happy that you just came out to help uplift their spirits in that. So we had some good ideas about reaching our young people as well as reaching one another. So as we had just talked about, we don't want to just learn these things and then forget them. We want to put them into action. So I'm looking forward to trying out some of these uh, ideas that we came up with and see how we can reach people for Christ's sake. Amen. 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 Right. And any any final thoughts on anything we spoke talked about th today? If not, Karen, uh, let us know where we're at in the testimonies for next week. So we're in testimonies for the church, volume one, and we'll be in chapter one hundred nine. Testimonies, volume one, chapter one hundred nine. So mm -hmm. um, read through those. Read through there a few chapters beforehand so that we can all participate in a discussion next week uh, so we thank everyone we look forward to how God's going to bless us this week we look forward to how we can be a blessing to others this week by doing our Christian service and pointing someone to Christ and him crucified uh, we'll ask uh, Andre are you on the phone Andre's like the quiet member. I'm here Okay, would you close us out with prayer, please? Sure. <clears throat> Dear most kind and loving Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for another Sabbath. We thank you, Lord, for your sermon and the ability to read and study and discuss the word of God. And Lord, help us with the things that we've talked about today. Help us, give us opportunities this week, Lord, to be of service to you, Lord. Let us look for those opportunities and even prepare for them, Lord. Bless us and keep us, each one of us and our families uh, throughout this next week, Lord. And uh, bless us throughout these storms. Uh, keep our families safe, Lord. And just bring us back here next Sabbath. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Y'all see my grandkids on my shirt?
We can see that. Yeah, those are, yeah, I noticed that. Yeah, this is a glow in the dark shirt too. So they oh, like wow. glow in the dark. Elder Carol, I got a question.